Hey everybody, this is Watch Me Open, and you are listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Hi, Mom. Hello, everybody. My name is Ian Taylor, and you are listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast, your weekly digest of hobby goodness. A terribly terrific trio of guests this week. Ladies first, and I'm thrilled to welcome back Amanda Z, aka The Graded Gamer. Also making a return after a very well-received recent issue is Keith Boyle of I Want More Comics and Games in Thornton, Colorado. This is why I should read these before I actually start. Um, And finally, because we all like to watch him open boxes of cards, it's Billy Vasozzi. Did I pronounce that right? Best you've done so far. Best You're I've done so, so far. Best I've done so far. Well, welcome, one and all. How's it going, kids? You all right? Lovely. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Consider yourself had. Um, so uh, this week, I'm going to have a sip. I'm going to have a sip. It's it's evening here in the UK, so I'm going to have a sip. So cheers, everybody. Um, this is Jim Beam Honey, by the way. Mm. Okay. Oh, that sounds good. Mm. New sponsor of the show. It's really good. You know what, uh, Jim Beam Honey, if you want to send me free bottles of your beautiful, beautiful product uh, for me to be drinking on every single podcast going forward, then I would be more than happy to oblige. Um, the quality of the podcast would be slightly more variable than it already is, um, and that's saying something. So, um, But, hey, you know, we'd all have a good time. So, um, so um, coming back, uh, we, we haven't done one of these. Well, I haven't done one of these in the new era of things um hobby questions uh these are all really fun uh things to do um billy's done one before with us you I came have. on once yeah you came on once and did them and and you were you were quite funny on that one because you were kind of like billy you can say stumming as well and you were like oh, i'm quite happy to sit sit and watch you two talk well now you can't watch you two talk it's, it's us four so <laughs> um let me get into it so Basically, what happened is I put a post up on the group, on the Instagram feed. I didn't do the Twitter because Twitter. Um, and people sent in questions, as they do. Um, and sometimes they're really good. Sometimes they are incredibly good. And you're like, why didn't I think of that? Um, and sometimes Tony Perner answers. <laughs> so we've got that to look forward to. Um, so I'm going to start with i'm going to start with rio Owens. now rio Owens sent about six questions so i'm probably going to flip between these but here we go which one do i do what is the biggest challenge in the hobby of collecting these cards that's a deep question to go for first of all and you're all looking slightly scared because it's like who's going to go first um who wants to who wants to tackle that first I cool, think the Billy. one who goes the deepest should go first. So, uh, <laughs> I feel already attacked. Okay, cool. Um, I think this know, is a timely question I, for you too, Keith. Uh, that's yes. an interesting point. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, actually, I think Billy hits it the nail on the head by trying by trying to deflect it to me. the The challenge is figuring out what you call collecting. That's mm. That's really the 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 point there. If um, I've recently run into a lot of frustration 
in collecting, in trying to chase things, in trying to uh, be awake at the correct hour with one hour's notice to get in on a set of cards that I've been turning around and purchasing forever and a day on EPAC. Um, but uh, it, if you don't individually turn around and, and set your limits, if you don't turn around and set your focus, if you don't turn around and really try to develop what is your goal in collecting, um, you end up in a lot of problematic areas. You know, I, I just came into the office today with a stack of a mail call here and there was two cards that I had purchased that I've been trying to chase on this set that are now my second and third copies. And I don't want that. And, you know, it's, uh. it's, again, I'm just not, I'm not paying attention well enough myself because I'm kind of scattered in the moment and um, you can giggle at it. And, but, but ultimately the, the joy is, is hitting the, the part you want, right? Like that's, that's, that's the thing. And I, I sit here and think of this panel and none of us are anywhere close to the same type of collector, you know, like we we're all across the board there. So I think it's, I think that the challenge is, is, is figuring out what the word collecting means to you. What does the word collecting mean to you, Billy? Oh, man. So, you know, I've previously stated when I uh, first came back into the arena, what, three years ago now? Um, I was a kid in a candy store and and I ate till I had a bellyache. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, I was left with, you know, my my card operation had have now taken up both of my guest rooms in my house. Uh, wow. There was no organization. There was no plan. You know, I was a dog chasing cars. Uh, I was putting sets together that I, I, I had no attachment to just because they were there. Um, and so, you know, I, I think to, to, to actually answer the question, it, you know, and to follow up with what Keith says, it's not just going to come to you, you know, what collecting means to you. There's trial and error. And, and, and you know, that there's, you know, they're even with sketch cards, you know, and you experience it too, Ian. There, mm -hmm. There's cards where, you know, like, yep, I'll take it. And then, you know, a couple months go by and you're like, I'm not in love with it. You know, like, I'm not, and not that you don't like it, you don't appreciate the art, you don't think it's a good depiction of the character, but you don't have that that feeling where, like, I don't care what you offer me, I'm not selling it. And I feel like, like, everybody's going to have ancillary pieces in their collection that don't meet that criteria, but those are the ones that really are the ones that define you. You know, and, and and I've said like after I purchased that high evolutionary one one from twenty twenty masterpieces, I, I don't care what you offer me. Like that's just it, it, it's important to me. It, it's it's my collecting identity, and and unless you know tragedy befell me, I I I wouldn't even think about moving it. Um, so I, I think I think the trial and the error and, and and being open to that that changing of 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 your mind and your feeling about something. Whether it's a, a style, a set, a, an approach, or a particular card, mm. you, you have to be open to to liking something one day and then not liking it the next, and 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 letting yourself evolve a little as you go. Um, and 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 like I said, that piggybacks on what Keith said, and and, and then you'll get to a place where you, you're you become more and more comfortable about your direction, your collection, 
and and you'll 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 cultivate this much better impulse control when you when you see things pop up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, I haven't experienced that part yet. Like I said, much better. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you have to you have to contrast. You know, look at the contrast. Absolutely. You finished talking, haven't you? And I'm reading the other questions. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the re follows up with a good question to piggyback off the back of that. What's the greatest joy you take or get from where you've kind of found your niche in collecting? I'm going to, I'm going to ask Amanda at this point, because she hasn't said anything yet. I don't, you know what? I don't know if I have found my niche in collecting, honestly. I'm, I think I fall in between Keith and Billy, probably collecting wise, like Keith, I see Keith as like super master set collector and Billy's like soup. He's like laser focused on high evolutionary. So like I mm. have bullseye, but I also chase sets like Keith does. And yeah, like I'm all over the place. I don't know. Joy is just finally finishing something, which is rare. Hmm. Yeah, no, it is. I, I've, what I find interesting about you, Amanda, is that you you kind of exist. If you've got a Venn diagram of different types of cards in the hobby, as the hashtag goes, um, you kind of straddle all of them. You know, you're not just Marvel because because for what you do with the graded gamer and all the um uh, the, the cards that you 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 grade and 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 trade, grade and trade. That should be a hashtag. Let's use that. You can have <laughs> okay, that that's a good one. Yeah, great and trade. Um, you, 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 you mentioned the other day you've started a new Instagram feed for your hockey stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen you do TCG stuff, um, all sorts started, of stuff I've never heard of. I'm starting to think my niche might be just '90s card sets. Like right now, back here, I'm getting ready to break for myself. I say break, like I'm going to open and grade. I have the first two sets of Bernie Wrightson, and then I have the Jim Steranko art nice. set mm. from the '90s. Mm. So I really, I mean, I'm, you know what? I met him one time, and that's it. I'm in love forever. Really? I have a terrible feeling. Maybe at some point he's going to become problematic. I don't know, but I love him. Love, <laughs> love. <laughs> Why? Does Until he keep... I can't anymore. <laughs> Why does he keep? Does he keep hassling you and texting you and things like no, that? No, 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 no. No, he, he but he's very charming. Um, but oh, I'm okay. excited to get into those sets. I really mm. like. I really like that '90s. There's a card set for everything. Mm. Period of time, and that's kind of what I'm enjoying right now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still Marvel. I'm still in there. Yeah. I have to say, what, one thing you really did get me into, which is behind me somewhere, is that DC Sandman set. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. It's which beautiful is, set. which kind of ties into your, 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 um, uh, catchphrase, uh, which you'll have to say, cause I can't, me- I can't remember it and I won't do it justice. What, what do you say on the end of your, um, on your Instagram? Oh, yeah. um, was it cards? Um, oh my god! Follow cards. me for cards you didn't know you needed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so and so that that Sandman set is a perfect example. You know, I was like, oh, I like the look of those. Um, and they've got those those endless ones with the gold bordering. Beautiful. The gallery. Uh, which the are gallery beautiful. inserts are really um, pretty. And I've got, I think I've got four of those so far. Um, There's a silver promo set to chase. Yes. Too. Yes. No, I've heard about those. Um, but in the in the, in the UK, there's there's quite a few sellers who have, have binders with like at least the base set 
and some of the mm. chase and some of the go. So I managed to pick up one of those, but the other stuff, I just to play a long game with it. And that's the thing, I don't, I'm not in a rush for it. It's kind of a side yeah. quest kind of thing. Um, I think that's why those are so fun for the 90s, mm. the older 90s things. For most of it, outside of what anything that's currently being pumped for Marvel, a lot of it's just you can pick it up when you feel like it. Like there's yeah. no there's no rush on it. It's just there. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I've got so many of my '90s sets that are kind of almost finished, but not quite. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, what's the rush? Yeah. You know. So, um, what's um? Do you have a grail or a dream card that you're chasing? Um, with a follow up here of is it obtainable? Because you might you might know where it is, and you might think. It's unobtainable. Who's gonna Who's gonna tell it. you in a public forum what their credit card is? That they don't exactly. Have? I mean, it might it might be something. That's the thing. It might be something Not that's fairly straightforward. Yeah, exactly. So, so <laughs> uh, you're pleading the fifth on that one, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Good. Good. Is, uh, did I use an Americanism there? Did I get it right? Yes. Yeah. Good. Do I get any <laughs> Do I get any points for that? You get to take a sip. Thank you. Lovely stuff. <laughs> uh, Keith, are you pleading the fifth on that one as well? Um. I have so many across the board because, you know, when when I look at my collection, I look at, I kind of fixate on the holes. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the greatest way to do it, you know. I, I definitely, um, kind of am trying to force myself into enjoying, you know, what I already have again, and you know, mm-hmm. that's that's where I'm I'm cataloging, I'm documenting, I'm taking the pictures of of everything that's out there to kind of see this one more time through, as opposed to you know, just looking at those, those last three 2016 Marvel masterpiece mm. achievement cards I don't own. And man, I should have bought that one auction that was 30 K, you know, that had Ugh. two of them in it kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, you can get, you can get trapped in that, that idea um, of, of chasing it. I, I think it's, I'll, I'll take the positive out of it, which is that because I don't, have just that one one of one I want to have uh, that one card you know even even if it's let's let's just say even if you're what you're chasing is a one in fifty but um, there's a one in fifty out there I'm I'm looking for right now that's uh, in uh, the um, uh, it's the exquisite from Marvel Gems of uh, Cyclops because mm-hmm. um, I got the uh, the recreation by Olivetti uh, of that of that art I, I really like it and I'd like to have a card that matches it but it's it's serial number to fifty it's a set that is um successfully hoarded and i think there's just not a lot of it out there uh if it pops up i i was offered one and i it was graded and i don't think that the person that offered to me was offering to me at a terrible price but it was just more than i wanted to spend i didn't i didn't have to mm-hmm. um so i'm going to take the joy in finding the the 50 to 500 cards i can find and i find affordable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm grab them as i as i go because it's just there's just too many out there for me to focus if if i had a set i wanted to finish um it's this one's already popped and everybody's got their eyes on it anyway that's the marvel beginnings holograms and mm. autographs mm. Uh, yeah everybody's paying attention to that but there's inside that i can never remember the count is 38 or 43 stanley autographs on cards that um there's no numbers out there to know how limited that they are but we all know that they're very limited. They don't. They just don't pop up. Mm, um, mm. Prices on them are big, and I don't think I'll ever. I don't think I'll ever finish that. But it is a lot of fun to, when when you find one piece to to add into that pile. Mm, mm, definitely. What about you, Billy? So, 
I, I think the, the the most you know valuable to me or, or to fit the Grail title uh, would be there's a lot of sketches from the Rittenhouse days of High Evolutionary that you know I've never even seen that I know are, are in collections. You know because you know we all know that there's collectors from like the the scoundrel days and this the that sketch hard sketch card forum website. You know yeah. that like that stuff's just not for sale. It's not for sale. It's not for trade. You know, there's one guy in the Facebook group, you know, who has lots of great sketches for, you know, for a long time. And and he actually posted some of the high evolutionary ones. And I asked him, I was like, you know, do you think these would ever become available? And he's like, no, sorry. You know, and, and, and that's fine. I, that, I don't, I don't think, you know, I, I respect, you know, people, you know, keeping things in their collection like that, but, but I just can't even imagine for all the written house sketches because the, 90% of the sketches of High Evolutionary that were packed pulled were in the Rittenhouse days. Um, and I have I have plenty of them, but there's there's some that are just by bigger artists. I know there's a Martinek that you could I've seen on Google Images. I've never even and have no idea who owns it. It's never become available on eBay. So it's just uh I know there's some really nice pieces of art that I would like to have out there that unfortunately, you know, they're they're in that not for sale, not for trade uh, category. Um, so the best I can hope for is what little sealed product left there is, is that becomes opened. If I happen to open any of it, you know, people now, at least I, I have a, a pretty good identity in the community as that guy. And, and yeah. they, they'd be happy to, you know, m- m- most people would be happy to at least, at least sell it, you know, and gouge me or trade for something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, my imagination runs wild when I think about all the pieces that might be out there. Mm. I think I think one of the interesting things about that is that when you find there's there's two aspects to that is knowing that a piece exists, with, uh, ergo Google Images, and then knowing where it's living. Because uh, one of the most frustrating things is okay, I know that there are plates out there of Black Cat that I'd like to have, but I don't know where they are. That's the thing. And with a lot of it, it could well be sat in sealed product. Yeah. You know, um, that logic is a lot of what makes me draw the lines in my collection is that I thought that if you have a card that's numbered to 50, the possibility of it popping up of mm. one of them popping up and you being able to get into it would, was going to be there. You know, it was, it was definitely going to, to be findable. But if I was a character collector, on something and I was looking at, at sets, even, even one in tens. Um, Cause a lot of my memories come from the written house days where, you know, the communication just wasn't there for, for things and stuff, plenty of things. I know how people did it. Cause I, I did some of it myself. I, I would open up something really cool, a one of 10 or something like that, and just put it in the back of the binder and not think about it because I just didn't have, you know, the big push to go sell it or move it. So it could just be hanging out in in that. So it always has mm. that limit of can I even find what I'm what I'm chasing? That's 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 a big motivator as to to what I what I stress for, what I what I what I consider, you know, needing to go find tomorrow. What about you, Ian? Um I'd like I'd like just one Stanley Auto card. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've kind of narrowed it down to a few that I'd, I'd kind of like um, the Silver Age one. 
probably being the most. Oh, okay. You know, I don't feel the need to own more than one. You know, just been and plus the fact that I, you know, I'd like to eventually own the other autos from that set. Um, so that'd be good. Um, weirdly, cat wise, I'm I'm not actually that fussed about any of the ones of ones, for example, from masterpieces and such, because it's like. I'm never going to be able to afford it, even if I do know where it is, mm-hmm. and even if it yeah. becomes available. Especially yeah. not, you know, since the last couple of years. So I'm kind of okay with that, you know, the line being drawn there, and also because I've I've got some other unique pieces. So I've got the pre, the, the prelim from 2020 masterpieces, and I've got a just go uh, prelim prelim from 2016. Um, so I kind of feel like I've got you know some unique pieces that just kind of tick that box for me. Um, I guess my, yeah, I guess my big thing is, is plates, printing plates. I I have such a problem with plates. You guys don't really want to run in here and hype up all the plates, do you? I mean, like that seems like <laughs> counter. Hey, I know. Counter we're not. We're not live. We're not live. We're not live. This could. This could be. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, we cutting, could... cutting room floor. Yeah, okay. cutting room Fair. floor. Um, I might find some some very funny. Um noises to put over the words that we just used <laughs> yeah. um the p word the the, the like the, like, the... like uh dogs barking anytime anybody says the plate word yeah okay yeah. you've just made my job harder really thanks for that um <laughs> i'm taking okay. two i'm taking two high evolutionary plates very seriously oh yeah mm-hmm. interesting interesting okay Play nicely now, children. Um, wait, we're going to move. Plate nicely. <laughs> that too. <laughs> that too. Um, it's going to sound like the kennel in here. It, it, it's uh, the, the, that the cat's already out of the bag on that one. I think. Um, Jake McManus, why doesn't everyone donate their X twenty threes to me? So there's a public plate. I don't. I don't have any. I it's don't, a public plate now. Don't I don't want to. S- Donald, one eight hundred. Jake needs your X twenty threes. Okay, I'm uh, not. I'm not aware that he's officially won the public showdown between him and Keith Speroni. There is someone else. Yeah, for, yeah. for the X twenty three. So X twenty three. I don't think that though. I don't think a winner's been declared. Mm. So I think it's it's tough to, to be honest with you. So know where you're sending it. No, no, is no. Is it like a a Thunderdome scenario? Like uh, how is that possibly? Two two men enter, one man leaves. Um, listen, uh, Jake is 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 uh, is completely cool on the gag about not being that guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I, I, I in jest. Um, but no, it goes on. I thought this was interesting because Keith, I know the answer to this, and in terms of your question, um, it's kind of a two part one. Do you collect base cards, and when did you last look at your base cards? So. There's- Keith, you've got vast swathes of like sets mm-hmm. and base cards mm-hmm. and parallels. I mean, obviously you've got a busy job, so you're not going like, to be touching in with them every day, but um, maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe you go down there and have a quiet in the morning, like Muslim thing, 15 minutes pray, pray to Mecca kind of moment with your cards. I try to touch base cards every day, but I have an asterisk next to that, which is that for my shop, I'm trying to get more and more of them available. Mm. Um, it's always a big goal to see more people have the enjoyment. I had a customer um, give me some wild lists of chases that have, I found out that his story was, is that he worked at a gas station for an extended amount of years in the nineties. 
and was buying whatever random packs were were showing up there. So he comes to me with a list of he needs these DC firepower uh, singles. Oh, wow. He needs he needs Spider Man International nineteen you know ninety seven. Oh, the flare one. Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah, he's like, oh, I just, I just. He gives me a small little list. I was like, you realize this is like sixty percent of the set. You should just go buy the base set I've got in the case over there for twenty five bucks. He's like, really? Yeah. I was like, so. Um, I love when people get excited about the base cards. Obviously, this is this is probably the 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 biggest disconnect you can have in the hobby right now is when we're having a conversation. Are you and me talking as collectors? Are you and me talking as investors? Are you and me talking as you know? I'm I'm somebody who's got a lot of cards to sell. Eventually, I'll I'll have prepared them and they'll be available. But um, I have a different conversation if you and I are talking about the appreciation of the sets. And I have mm-hmm. a different conversation if you'd like to talk about the value of XYZ card I have that you'd like to, to get a hold of. And I think that all the conversations are appropriate. I don't think there's a problem with any of it. But we too often get, you know, mixed up and not maybe not knowing where we are. It's, it's really easy with your friends, you know, like I, I, I would consider myself on good terms with everybody here. And when we're going to have conversation, we're not really talking about, you know, the, the long-term stock market of the Marvel card industry and where, you know, we think this card is going to spike and this card's going to crash and things like this. Now we're, we're talking about the fun of it. It's, it's funny. I'll spend more time talking to Amanda about obscure things that no one ever in their right mind should ever be buying. <laughs> And yet the two of us are are deeply involved in it. She, I love it. You know, like Marvel Annual is we've you've we've said this before, you've said it before, Ian. It's it's such an underappreciated set because it has that nostalgia of the 90s, all things are included. You know, like the 90s set was this is everybody who's in Marvel right now. And you know, we look back upon it and wonder why certain characters were ever inside those sets, but you would know if you were in the mm. Marvel in the moment. Mm. And that's what annual gives us right now. There's, there's plenty of characters in there that are so left field. Like if you're not reading comics, you're just like, who is right. this? I don't, I don't yeah. understand anything. That's fine. That's not a big deal. But the, the base gives you that flavor. We know mm. that insert sets, we know that you're always going to see Spider-Man's and Wolverine's and Venom's and all those characters that everybody cl- clamors for inside the inserts, but base is where you get the meat and potatoes the, the mm. things that keep the story going. That's it's what like I love. Yearbook. That. It's like a yeah. yearbook for Marvel that you're. Mm. Well, the base is the base. If you pardon the expression, you know, you, you don't get the, the chase and the inserts unless you have the base to build on. Does that sound like a really wanky thing to say? No, I've been I drinking, I, but you know, really, <laughs> it's so take, take, take something like masterpiece mm. and it's very easy while you're, opening up a box and and building your set because of the expense that you've put into the set. Uh, and I'm talking about like the last, the last three sets and what will be the next set when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, you're focused. Hey, is that a tier four card? Oh, is that, is that the, is that the, the special edition? You know, is that the, what if, or, you know, like, and these things really kind of quickly make you forget to look at card number 10 in the set and appreciate mm-hmm. it. Um, and, it's only when you get to go back and look at the whole thing that you really get to 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 enjoy that side of things. Everyone probably has an opinion. Um, 
as to if they would if they prefer the art of Jusco or Bianchi or uh, Palumbo. But ultimately, if you're getting to look at all of it and just enjoy all the different pieces of it, mm. you, you just you're just getting that bonus. The the joy instead of instead of the credit card bill, right? Don't focus on the credit card bill. Focus on what you're what you're getting out of this and enjoying. And I think I think the base is you've got to you've got to spend time in the base to get that. Otherwise, you're throwing your hobby money away. You're mm. you're just purely trying to play the investment game. And more often than not, especially with the way things have changed over the years on that, you can end up frustrated when you're when you're focused on dollars and cents. Mm. Mm. what do you um i see this phrase I, I never heard this phrase before until i saw it on epac on the epac forum cardboard junk <laughs> um and it's just it, it, i just i i get where it comes from um because a lot of those guys on epac who can buy case after case after case and open it up and they're doing the achievement or the chase or whatever they're, you know they're one of them here right the yeah yeah i know <laughs> but that's that but but no but that's the well potentially former um <laughs> one of no those. we're not feeding into that we're not we're ignoring I'm, that that's not... i'm in rehab right now I'm okay to, all right yeah. well if you don't want to talk about it, we don't we won't talk no about no, it, no, but... no 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 I... rehab is for quitters keith <laughs> i know it sounds great <laughs> but no um how you, you, you. Obviously, you're aware of that phrase. What, what does that phrase mean to you? You know, wh where do you see that? This is, this wasn't in the questions, but it's connected. When I read that question, I was like, is that 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 that's kind of one end of the spectrum you know, regarding base cards as cardboard junk? Well, it's like calling it junk wax, right? It's the same thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like I, there's people who would consider this junk wax back here, like, but I love it. Mm. Is it tied very specifically to the idea that any of those cards that are physical, because you know, obviously some of the base is just combinable, but any of the cards that are physical um, still take 25 cents to get them into your hands? Does does that play oh, potentially. into the, potentially. To the yeah, and most, potentially. A lot of those cards, like I might have a couple of Marvel Ages cards sitting on EPAC right now, you know, maybe 250 sets of you know, totally toys. Um, but the, the, the point being is like, you don't, there's not a lot of value. If you want to go over and jump over to uh comp and see the, the numbers there, you're getting 27 cents a card, yes. mm -hmm. but yet 27 cents is really two cents. Yes. Because 25 of it, upper deck gets the VIG. Like they're, right. they're going to, yeah. they're going to get their number. So it's when you when the numbers have been devalued so so heavily like that, I can see where the terminology comes mm. from. It's mm. it's very easy. I also know that there's a lot of people that um collect on EPAC, leave it on EPAC, and absolutely consider that their collection. And I have no knock against that. I, I don't want that to sound like it's a negative because again, you, you know, a hundred card set costs you $25 to bring home, but yet it's sitting in storage you know, in a place that we all find secure and don't have a problem with it. And you're never going to have, you don't have to worry about that. And you can save 25 bucks, but on the set, uh, I don't think thing. you, yeah, you don't get the joy of flipping it. Right. Like we all love putting it in pages, right, Amanda? <sighs> don't out me on that. That's I'm, it's, it's too fresh. <laughs> tr tr trigger words there and all this, but um, uh, no, but, uh, I, 
I get the mentality. I think the mentality is fed by the people who are looking for value. And mm. that's not, that's not necessarily the same as collecting, you know, again, different conversations. Mm -hmm. It's just not have more fun, spend more time talking about the collecting and what, what you love and why black cats are your, your, your character or high evolutionary. It would, it would be so fun in Billy's, Billy's chase. It would be so much fun for me to find a comic cut. We've talked about me and Billy have talked about this many times that there are only a few issues that he was even in that even have a possibility of a high evolutionary showing up. Yeah. But to find one that he's actually on a cut, like that would be an amazing card to find. And that's that's another feedback to Joy. Finding somebody else's card that they love, mm. um, that that happened. I mean, Billy sent me a very expensive card to finish off a set of mine that really brought me a lot of joy because again, it was it was that it was that feeling between people that, you know, like you, you can kind of care about what the other people are chasing, you know, with, with your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I, I had seen him be his own worst enemy before and, and go back and forth on whether or not to buy something at a given price only to buy it four months later at double the price. I kept, I had lost, it was the, and we'll, we'll just, we can tell everybody because I think we posted up in the group, right? But I mean, like, like I'm talking about the Wolverine tier four from yeah. 2020. That, that was the one where I was like, I can't see that happen to this guy again. <laughs> I did spend a little bit more than what I could have a little bit earlier. I was, you know, trying to play, you know, you're playing the, what's the lane, what's the fastest lane on the freeway. Right. You know, like mm -hmm. trying to, trying to chase and all this. Yeah. I've, I've definitely, I, it's, it's funny for as much as we've, we've alluded to here and all this and where I want to take a massive step back from, from collecting right now. One of the things I'm actually thinking that might be the most amount of fun for me right now is not to necessarily stop get getting new cards and stop the new sets but it's to buy them in an alternate way you know instead of spending thousands upon tens of thousands on a new break on you know when it drops on epac mm. um why not pick up the the odds and ends as people are, mm -hmm. are casting off the cards the mm -hmm. the the garbage cards they don't want i'll buy mm -hmm. them now you know that mm -hmm. kind of thing to to chase and see if i have fun putting a set together in that direction mm. And I've done that. I've done that as well. Um, interestingly, there's someone, someone in the hobby across multiple groups. I won't name him because I don't, I don't know if he, he'd appreciate it. But um, he uses the term um, a hashtag uh, collect singles now. Mm. So he's very much stopped buying from primary um, and is buying them off eBay, off people selling them in groups, and doing it that way. Um, and he's getting an awful lot of enjoyment from that. Um, and he's finding it much more fulfilling. And I think he's spending a lot less as well. I, I thought that at some point in time, you know, when we're talking about the state of the hobby right now and, you know, things like this, I thought that this idea would get close, we'd get close to it or we'd have a question just straight on the nose about it, but there's going to be a massive evolution this year in how people, you know, collect. And some of it is, Again, you you can't chase the high dollar boxes anymore. You're 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 reshaping your collection. But um, we went through two years there where supply was so minimal. Um, there wasn't enough out there to feed the masses that wanted it. And yet this year we've seen we've seen already seen more sets launched than um, were for almost the past three years. Yeah. Um, just in purely numbers. And we've already got coming up 
Eternals is this month. Avengers versus X-Men is right on the heels of that. Loki is on the heels of that. Allure is on the heels oh, of that. Uh, what if yeah, Loki's going to be good beginnings anime two and premiere all have tentative dates right now. And, and that's, and these, we're not even talking about other sets that we know mm. about right now, but when so much hits the market at the same time and Upper Deck also knows that that more people were wanting to buy. So there's more product out there. The blasters are a great opportunity to get cards in your mm. hand. And that's changing the dynamic of what people are buying. Yeah. So it's this evolution's gonna be really interesting to watch, and you're really going to have to, you know, be on top of it and yeah. be in communication with everybody and kind of see what's what's going on to to watch this. Well, this kind of ties in quite nicely with the Tony Perna question. Um, Tony sent a number of That's questions. Strange. Yeah, listen. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, Tony's Tony's like um, the whole thing with um, give a million monkeys a million typewriters, and eventually they'll come up with the great works of Shakespeare. Um, so, t- so Tony Tony fired five things over at us. Um, uh, three of them were: Can Ian Taylor do a cartwheel? Right. The answer is no. Um, are you happy with your current cable provider? <laughs> is anyone? And mm, chili. No question. That was just a statement from Tony. So Tony's two questions uh, outside of that lesson. Tony, we love you dearly. Don't ever change. Um, can the average collector still afford to collect with the crazy prices of sets? So it kind of it kind of feels like it. It's a springing off that because. I mean, uh, define define the average collector, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much product out there, regardless of the price of sets. Because I, I, I'd argue that the price of sets, given given the craziness of Spider-Man Metal and how much that got expenses, I'd have to say there has been a, a, a marked correction. Um, now, admittedly, some of the products that are, that are coming out are probably lower tier anyway, like annual. Um, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, yeah, they're never going to be up there with the Spider-Man metals of this world in terms of the prices that people are asking for them. But God loves a try, and I'm sure some people are trying to get a high dollar for those than they should do. But um, I think generally speaking, I think the, the price has come down. I mean, look at Fleer Ultra Avengers. I mean, it was much, much more affordable to collect for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I think the challenge is not the crazy prices of sets from my point of view, it's the size of them. You know, um, I mean, masterpieces is a, is a, is a, you know, has a lot of elements to it, but once you get your head around the structure, it's fairly contained. And then you look at something like Fleer Ultra Avengers with the crazy coloring and how many different colors there are and the different aspects to it. And yeah, I mean, wh- where does it stop? Keith is uh, sweating there slightly. I'm I'm giggling over the crazy <laughs> color comment because we haven't looked deeply at Allure yet. <laughs> and, oh no 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 we haven't. And Allure and reminds me of Amanda Doctor Strange knows, on E-Pack. Amanda knows because Amanda has played with Allure hockey and I seen, love Allure. It's so beautiful. It's it is going to be a fairly popular set, but mm-hmm. the number and the of signer list parallels. The, the signer list, list is insane, insane, but the parallels are also going to be insane. Yeah, so Does... I haven't, I haven't seen Allure, but I have heard and, and 
you, Amanda, you, I guess you can tell me if this is uh, not accurate, but that it's equivalent to like a Topps Chrome in, in terms of the, the presentation of the cards? It's Chrome. Um, I don't have any of the really pretty parallel. Yeah, I don't have any. They're going to show up nice on camera, but they the rainbow, it, they're like, it's a literal rainbow across mm. the player. Wanted, it's really pretty. I wanted to be the knowledgeable one here and, and be prepared for this. So I have my distributor pages up. You're a hundred card base set in Allure. You're going to have your, your base, no problem. Parallels include black rainbow, red prism, magenta, orange slice, die cut, and steel parallels. So here's an orange slice die cut from hockey. Is that five? That's five. Okay. Now would you okay. like to know how many more are numbered parallels? Okay, Green. so those aren't numbered. Okay, so five. Okay, so we've got six. Yeah, those aren't numbered. Green quartz, white diamond. Green quartz is 99, white diamond's 50. Blue line is 35. Purple rainbow is 10. Golden treasures, one of one. 10. So we're back to kind of the metal. So Tony's great question. Yeah, you know, is it is it possible to collect? Who who's chasing all of that? Me. You Dude. actually so the great the great part for me is Allure is an MCU set, so I get to sit on the sidelines. I'm it's it's outside <laughs> my bounds. I've I'm really there. Here's the black rainbow, but I don't think it's gonna show up on camera. It's basically oh, yeah, no, 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 do us a disservice. Hold that up again. I was enjoying that. It's well, it's hard to see. It has like a like what we would call a like a hollow. No, I, I get the vibe. I can see it. I can service. see it. It's nice. Um, I like the depth of it. Yeah, they're they're really pretty. Mm. This is where a and lot I of don't... Upper Deck was talking about that and comparing it to Vibranium. Yes, because again, the 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 card the card stock uh, matches mm. very mm -hmm. well. Mm. And then, of course, I, I I did the pregnant pause thing and all this. There's three more parallels. This is, before e this is before epac this is red auto purple diamond autos and golden treasure one of one autos golden treasure one of ones golden treasure one of one auto we're we're officially hands-free off the cliff <laughs> it's like, bizarre it, world right now isn't it, it is <laughs> um, but what if, what if what if you said collecting for you is just going to be a base set mm -hmm. you just wanted the hundred plus uh, 50 SPs that I didn't mention. Um, and that was what you wanted to chase. You know, like you could, you could stop there. You could have yeah. a set, you know, you, you brought, you brought a masterpiece. People turn around and decide that, you know, when they're going to chase that tier four, they're going to get it in purple yeah. because the purple so 199s. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you have a set. So now you have a set, you have every art that was, that was in the base set. You have all 90 of them sitting there. No problem at all. And and do you think your your set is incomplete because you didn't get no. the most high end? So and and that's the thing. It's the whole yeah. It's what yeah. I always say. It's the whole choose your own adventure aspect of it um, now. And I think that's the way you have to go about it. It's like I I can't. I don't have the room. I mean, this is a small room, and I filled it already, as you can tell. Um, but I, you know, much as I loved Wandavision, I've no desire to own the base set. All the parallels of the base set because i simply don't have room to store them all um mm. have i chosen maybe three cards to rainbow and get all the different parallels that with images on that i really like that sum up the series yes i have keith amanda and billy um and i've done the same for uh falcon and wind soldier and i've done the same for shang chi i think 
so there are elements of, of each of the sets that I you know I kind of quite like the design on. So it's kind of like having a little um like tapas. You know, just a little bit here, a little bit there, you know, a little bit. Um which kind of works for me. Um and a lot of that is I guess it to a certain extent it's peripheral to the main stuff I collect. But it's that it gives me that joy of collecting something at a relatively affordable price now obviously with something like lure if you're going to do that it probably cost a lot more money um but on those other mcu sets it's um so far it's um some gigs well an alert alert should end up being something between 120 to 150 dollar box yeah which is going to be a little bit better that's that's also eight packs to a box uh, okay nine cards to a pack oh wow so- okay still going to get quite a bit in there obviously mm-hmm. there's there's a lot there's a lot to it and there's way more when you start talking about all the different different pieces i don't want to i don't want to hype on that set alone because actually i think that one of the most exciting sets coming up is going to be what if i think that that's a a fun one where we all get um it's it's the mcu but because it's not photos i think it you know appeals to a couple more people mm-hmm. you know like the it's going to feel more like comic art Mm-hmm. it's it's gonna have that that's that's a that's a big big piece about again people's feel into this it's there's there's choices to be made i think that it's i don't think there's anybody left no matter who you are at, at whatever scale that can get it all anymore tony's question is very valid about that point in time. yeah yeah, yeah there are breaks on every there there's yeah. there's a handbrake on everybody's collection because go back to 1994 the 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 most produced year of marvel in the 90s right and you have a masterpiece set and you have a universe set and you had a spider-man set and a x-men set flare annual yep flare oh, rather flare annual flare. sorry yep and that's a lot that's a lot of sets mm. and mm. it's and the total individual cards if you want to chase every card and every parallel and everything that was in it, which I don't think many, I think only the 94 masterpiece had the, the gold signature parallels between all those. Mm-hmm. And then the free sets of hollows, but yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, you'd still be at less total cards than Allure has all of its parallels before you even get to one of ones. It's the world's changed. It's, it's, mm. it's a different mechanic. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're definitely going to have to pay attention and, 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 figure out your own boundaries tony kind of goes to sorry carry on sorry no that that being said like you know there are opportunities you know and and it all depends on where you know the limits you set for yourself like he said the the retail blasters you know for someone looking for a base set for someone looking for a a fun rip that's not gonna break the bank you know like don't discount that but you know the orange uh, Flare Ultra Avengers gave us a, a retail exclusive numbered parallel. Like that, that was huge. That was a huge, mm. you know, improvement over the 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 you know the the thought behind Spider-Man Metal Retail Blasters, which gave us a, a a yellow, which was very much akin to the gold. It was hard to distinguish, you know, for with little exception. Um, but a numbered parallel that was exclusive. Uh, so that made it more attractive to, to rip. Uh, it also gives the ultra stars, which was ex- you know the 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 
silver rainbow foil version of that was exclusive to retail. Um, the blues in annual are, are stunning. Yeah, those are really um, So, so it's not just right. So it's it, it's it's double sided now. It's not just you know here's a less expensive way for you to experience it. There's also something exclusive, an incentive, something that makes it more attractive. Um, and and then in a, in a completely different direction, myself with Fleur Ultra Avengers, I did not break any of it to chase the cards that I was looking for. I, with the exception of the 101s, which haven't appeared, I have all the cards I'm looking for. I did that because there's a, an eBay seller who was doing character spots for case breaks. And, 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 and I'm not saying that that's something for everybody because maybe it's not going to be as affordable an option as, you know, for, for, for you, Ian, as for, you know, someone that's collecting high evolutionary, but it, it's still not a bad idea and it's something worth exploring. And, and the, the main thing is the main concept is to, to, to be open to, to, you know, different avenues. Yeah. To, to procure your collection because I bought into a case break where I got all the high evolutionary cards in that case break for $14. And I got the auto in that. The auto out of 63. Such a great hit. Like, and that's just, that's because I was open to whatever. And, and I wasn't dead set on the only way I'm going to get these cards is if I see them specifically listed or if I buy product and open it for myself. So you know, you, you've got to use your imagination. You've got to use the community because everybody, you know, mm. look, sellers, sellers, and, and I saw and whatnot, you know, Keith and Amanda saw and whatnot, and, and, and I, you know, uh, communicate with plenty of other people who saw and whatnot. We feel the responsibility of like being creative to to make it more more appealing, right? And so that there's better chance of you getting what you want. Because that's going to if, if I can present a product, a, a, a purchase opportunity in a way that you have a good percent chance of getting what you want and you're not going to be left with riffraff or, or cardboard junk, as, as it was referred to, you know, like you're going to be more inclined to come back. So so, you know, we we feel that that uh, that motivation and, and, and that need in, in, in the market space. And so, you know, I'm not the only one like so my th my point is that there's. There's going to be more people like that who are who are working hard yeah. to make sure they can offer you what you're looking for. You know, so so the opportunities are out there. You just have to be open to them. You have to, you know, it, not not to cross streams, you know, but like you know, in the in the Snyder Cut when, when Dark, you know, we'll we'll use the old ways. You know, like we can't use the old ways anymore. Like he said, we're we're already, you know. Look at the calendar year and look at the most produced uh, year of the 90s. And we've already got more sets put out than that. Can't use the old ways anymore. You have to be creative, innovative. Think. Emery Kriegsman, which is a great name, by the way. What is This is a long one, so settle in, have a drink. What is everyone's opinions on the last two sets of Fuhrer? An annual being pretty readily available via retail, Target, etc. Personally, I've enjoyed the ability to purchase either online or find them in the stores at retail cost. I like how they still made their retail blasters special with their own exclusive parallels, just what we were saying. It's actually got me back into set collecting, as the last few years I was only going for PC cards. I'm hoping this trend continues 
Oh, excuse me, sorry. Without the insanity of the inflated craze with Spider-Man Metal Universe, there are plenty of collectors that just want to enjoy ripping packs and building a set, not overspending just to try and pull some crazy insert and get ROI. Leave that to the sports card collectors. His words, not mine. Uh, and make sure there's enough product out there that deters the flippers from buying out all the inventory and reselling it for twice the retail. Well done, Upper Deck, in these last two releases. That was the way to go. What say you? kids there's enthusiastic nodding going on from keith absolutely enthusiastic i you're, you're talking to an upper deck diamond dealer which would love people to come in and buy uh boxes from me and i couldn't have been happier about the blaster product when it was out there um even before and this is this is something that's now changed they're now offering it out to stores like me as long as you're an upper deck diamond dealer you can buy i got in 60 blasters of annual uh, that I can sell here at the store. And I got them at a price tag that was, that I could keep it exactly at the same competitive price that you get it at for at target. But um, this is a, there was, there was a mechanic uh, several years ago that uh, wizards of the coast who produces magic, the gathering um, went to Amazon and started selling direct on Amazon. And you should have seen the pitchforks that were, raised by retailers about how they're they're stealing our pennies and coming and 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 coming for us and and this is just the end of everything that's going to be uh, the conversation with with wizards retailer support was there are people who can't get to your store there are people who don't have a card store they don't have a game place they don't have that we're trying to reach everyone we're trying to be out there to sell the product to everyone and the blasters are such a fantastic product for that because you keep the price point so much lower. Mm -hmm. If you look at the Marvel annual at $20, you're getting, I want to say it's five packs. I don't think it was six. It might've been six. Um, everyone has a blue parallel. Everyone also has another insert card into it, whether it's just the, the uh, sketchboard, you know, the, um, the, they call it the canvas. Oh, I would say the, the canvas variant, the, the silver, the number one spot, no numbered cards in the blaster at all. That's something specific for hobby. So you're, you want the numbered, you go chase that inside that. But um, they create a product that you get a decent stack of cards for $20. The you're, value is there. It's, it's great. It's fantastic. Hmm. Uh, we all have to have our original memory of our first pack. Like, you know, what, what hooked you in, in the beginning, what was that, that first one from the tobacco company that got you going and the, what you can get inside of that with people getting introduced to it and, and at a lower price point, instead of coming into a shop and seeing a box of cards at anywhere from 100 to $500. And that's what you're looking at, or take your random roll with a pack, which you hope somebody else hasn't already searched through that box and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and already pulled out the good stuff for you. Want, you, you want a fair, you know, uh, shake it at mm. those, at those cards. Um, it's such a great thing. And this, this, this question, this point is, is so valid because I do think that the availability of product at a, at a price point that people can, can handle reinvigorates a collector. It definitely gives them an option. That's so, it's so smart because, you know, ultimately upper deck sells out all their product and they don't make any money on aftermarket. They will not make a dollar on a one of one sold for any amount of money. They don't make money on flipping green PMGs. 
That's not their, that's not their model. They wanted to sell all the product and they do just well at that. So they want to find as many collectors that are willing to buy the product for all the different reasons. Maybe you mm. are just wanting to go buy the hobby box to find the green PMG. Good luck. But the keeping it open and available to everybody, it's just, it's so brilliant. And the fact that they're going to expand it, um, we we have opportunity here to buy. They've even redone the sales channel now, and I can actually buy Fleer Ultra uh, Avengers blasters now, wow. you know, okay. uh, for the store. So someone else asked, because you kind of touched on this, it kind of brings it into the um, uh, affordability um, stuff. Carl Varney, fellow Brit, um, asked loads of questions, actually. But um, the one I'm going to is, should there be a collector, in quotation marks, set to future Marvel masterpieces where all of the cards in the set can be bought in a collector's tin on thinner stock? Or should it remain as a premium set where only a few high-end collectors can own all the tier four cards to complete a set? I'd be yeah. all over that. Yeah, I, I've 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 thought of this a few times actually. I would absolutely love it if they went back and released just a retail, no tiers, thin stock version of any of the mm -hmm. previous masterpieces sets. 1997 I, Fleer Ultra Spider-Man. I I wouldn't um, I wouldn't see that as devaluing the 2016 I've already got. Personally, I'm sure some people would. But um, Keith, don't, don't they haven't they done that for Star Wars? Haven't they done like a box set of a full set and it just has like a separate stamp on it, like tops, top something. Possibly, you just, yeah. You get the whole set. Yeah, possibly. I they're doing like so much stuff. Like they're doing so much stuff, especially their online releases and things like that. Um, I can't keep up with it. But no, I like I like the idea of that. And I know that I know that I would it's... love it just because I yeah. I'm I'm in the minority, I think, on the thick card stock. I don't care for it. Well well, we had this conversation, didn't we? Because of you with your grading hat on, mm. which is probably your main hat, would it be fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, that figure card stock. <laughs> it slips if, sometimes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. The hat today. <laughs> much like my halo. Um, you've you've got, we had this conversation when you were on last time on episode, whatever it was. Um, you've got eight corners. Yeah. On the figure card stock, to all intents and purposes. Um, so, and all the pain that brings. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. No, I, yeah, I, one thing I really liked. And we know it's possible. Um, that non-sport update promo for um, Masterpieces 2020 with Wolverine on. Then cardstock, nice picture of Dave Palumbo on the back. Hats off to Upper Deck for actually putting some promos out in non-sport update because that's a fun collectible thing. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, and a Hulk. Uh, no, uh, non-sport update was Hulk. Uh, Spidey was the Philly non-sports card show, right, I believe. Right, right. Um but uh, not for 2018. I, I just think, listen, I, I'm, we're slightly veering off the question here, but I, I still, it still slightly frustrates me that Upper Deck don't appear to see the value in putting those promos into places like non-sport, you know, into those old legacy, whatever you want to call them, streams of release and marketing, such as non-sport update. Um, 
because everyone else seems to. I, I, you know, I I love the stuff that comes from Norm Sport Update magazine, even if it's sets I'm never going to collect, because gives you a taste. You know, it's not like oh, just a little taste, just a little bump keeps you going. Anyway, uh, moving on. Um, Carl also asked, how do weekly releases unbound in brackets uh, fit into the collecting experience? <laughs> It's certainly an experience, isn't it? Um, is this something that people enjoy, or has it become too much of a grind, negative experience? Um, uh, too soon, Carl. Yeah. Too soon. Too soon. Well, listen, I think Carl, listen, I think everyone's experiencing different um, uh, aspects of this, uh, apart from maybe me, because I'm comfortably sitting on the sidelines. I just see all the bombs that go off backstage on the admin of things like MCCW when, when, go south <laughs> go spider <laughs> anyway um but i mean how good does the, the semi-retirement feel on, on a ghost spider release <laughs> i just feel bad I, to be honest with you, i just feel bad for the guys who have to deal with it because it's just some of the stuff oh, nobody comes felt up... bad for you don't, don't... well <laughs> well that yeah and that's not something i can control that's you know that's their lookout um but um it's I I I can see the frustrations, but I'm just glad I stepped off because Marvel Weekly kind of trained me on this one. So and, see, but I loved Marvel Weekly. Yeah, I no problem with loved the set. It. No problem so with I, the set. I yeah. think the format, like that format, that style is I think a lot of us really like it. The issue comes in where when you can't get through the servers, you don't get well, yeah. notified of the drop, etc. But yeah. that format, the weekly format, I really liked it. For weekly, I loved. So, so that's I interesting. A lot. Of, so I guess I guess the the premise of the question is a lot of people can't separate the format with the experience of the format, and that is a problem that's firmly with Upper Deck's system mm -hmm. there. Right. Because... Sort of like how people can't separate the artist from the website administrator. <laughs> yeah, oh. Fred and Ian, so bless him, bless him. Oh, those poor guys. Oh, getting blasted. Oh. Um, but tops can do it with their living sets, yeah, quite happily, and various yeah. other weekly releases like the Mandalorian chapter stuff. I mean, I'm not up to date with what tops are doing with that stuff now. Um, but, but upper decks, but those you oh, go ahead, Keith. I was just say, upper decks got both sides and they're and neither one is is delivering correctly. So, unbound and known print run. We've got so many packs to be sold. Everybody has to get on and you're you're sold out in six to 12 minutes. You've got the weekly, say, Guardians one that's going on right now, which is an unlimited print run. It's not turned around and, and situated. There is a um, a ratio. What, what is it? Like one in 12 packs for SP, one in whatever the numbers are. Yeah. You know, I, I don't follow it that well, but um, you've got an SP and an S, SP card to chase each week too inside that so you've got it it seems like these two polar sides need something in the middle and and you need to find something creative you know we we sat there you know there were several of us who were chasing um all the achievements at the end of uh unbound one we were sitting there talking about it and we're like all right how do you fix this for unbound two you know that um there's too much popularity for this that 1000 cards is not enough you just absolutely know um and Doubling the print run helped, but throwing the sketch in, I think, kept the kept the demand too high. You yeah, know, the heat's still the, under that pan, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. So like my my wild off the wall was is that you could buy packs for 48 hours. It's an unlimited print run. Mm -hmm. Um what happens is you could buy packs, but you can't open packs for 48 hours because we don't know how many packs are going to be out there. They're going to turn around and have a base card unnumbered inside of it to fill the difference. And then there is the thick stock serial number to 999. There is the canvas serial number to this. Um, you know, like it's just, un, there's an unlimited version. And then the, you don't even know how many inserts there really are until the 48 hour period is done. And then you know that now that there was 5,000 packs purchased. So now that's one in five, we'll get one of those base kinds of cards. Mm. It's a very unique way of doing it. And it, I don't even know if it works because I think many people want to know their gambling odds before they put their money on the table. But um, there definitely still is demand to move the number of unbound cards up mm. than, than what they're offering right now. And you, we had the question earlier about, is it possible to collect? I thought unbound was actually a good example of where you could collect a full set. You can yeah. collect all 52 cards. It's just such a bad experience in purchasing the card every week. <laughs> it really that, is. It shouldn't it, be stressful. And it is. And, you know, you, you get too many people that understand how computers work and know how to jump around in it. And everybody claims bots and all this. It's not really that. But you just know how their system is set up and where to, like, jump in and do this and do this and do this and be able to get plenty of packs when you want to when you want to mm. buy the packs. And that's mm. not fair to everybody. They need a better queue system. Like, if they had um, – there's plenty of stuff out there. Uh, Funko Pops have uh, NFTs. And the demand for how much that they want to sell in those NFTs way exceeds what they produce, but they use queuing software where you join yeah. into the queue. Yeah. Um, you're everybody who's logged in one minute too at, at that, at that time when it goes live, everybody gets a random number and you're shuffled in place. First person there is not necessarily the first person to buy. And then you complete your transaction. It goes to the next people. They let yeah. in a hundred people at a time for, yeah the purchase of one pack, two packs, five packs, whatever their rules are. Opera yeah. Deck could invest in this infrastructure and get better with it. That's the thing. It's not a huge investment either. It really isn't. I mean, I know this from, because um, it, it, it's quite a common thing in ticketing, you know, with on you know, sales and things. The worst part is, is that for all the frustration, for all the people who are upset and irritated about it, they will continue to sell out. So yeah. you left it. You're yeah. left in a business position where you don't have to actually fix the customer service problem yeah. because you haven't pissed off enough people to not sell out. Yeah. Yeah. Next year, there will be a digital and, and a combinable. That's going to be their, so that's going to be their solution. It's to have, just add more cards. They do have an NFT version uh, that they're, they're on their NFT marketplace that they're that collect forever type thing. And, you do think that something is going to turn around and, and move towards us. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Um, Carl also, this is, yeah, this is, this is an interesting one uh, from Carl. Do we as collectors have a right to have more interaction with upper deck regarding upcoming and future releases? Do you think we can then budget our expenditure better knowing when and what's coming? No, that's no. not the way. That's not like, and and I'm and I'm the least 
uh, familiar of the four of us with, with, with any sort of business sense and, and the way the world economy works, but like that is not the way commerce works. You do not get to, you do not get a heads up from the farmer when the price of eggs is going to change. Um, you know, and, and, and like, you don't get to meet the chickens, you know, we, we have rare access as is. Yes. And, and, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's a little, you know, uh, a little greedy to want more than we already have and, and, and but no that's just not the way it works it's never going to happen that they're, they're going to do things the way they're going to do it for, for their own reasons you know it, it, it you know you we can make up whatever reason we want and, and and all be wrong about why they do things the way they do yeah yeah it could be it could be by design it could be by circumstance but you know if we want to play we just got to take it mm. i mean it could be a pain point they're just blissfully unaware of for whatever reason, because um, they're just not listening to the right radio station, whatever the metaphor is supposed to be. Uh, but they are a private company at the end of the day. I mean, they have a, they have a well-loved brand as an IP to play with, but they are a private company. So, I mean, they've, they've been, they've not been on this for, for, for a year or so, um, hoping that's going to be changing. I've spoken to them, but um, partly because I don't think they've had an awful lot to say because they haven't had a lot coming down the pipe you know we the floodgates have now opened so they've got plenty to talk about um but i think i think some of us are trying to pull them in a little yes. bit more when, yes. when we can yes um, i think actually I, amanda you, know, you do a great job with engaging the 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 upper deck reps that you have access to and bringing out information with that we've we've seen through your uh channel i think that that's mm. um really strong in that area, because I do think that from everything I've ever met, I've, I've met upper deck people on the retailer side at, um, uh, an event called gamma, which is the, uh, game game trade, um, event. Uh, I've, everybody I've ever met that's involved with them is actually pretty personable and is, yeah. is yeah. they're, they don't, there's some information they can't tell you. That's, that's the nature of the beast. I get there's, that a lot. <laughs> there's a, there's a marketing schedule that they're trying to meet and they can't give away the secrets and and blow up what's what's going to be the path but um when you do get to talk to them they they they're there to to be personal to be to be fun with and all this and, and engage and i think that um the right people like they again you know ian you've had them on the podcast amanda we, we, you've had them on your channels there and all this like to turn around and see that is is a lot of fun mm -hmm. to to get a little bit of a piece of something, you know, and, it, there and... are just, like you mentioned, there's just, unfortunately, there's just things they can't tell us, you know, yes. we can't, you know, and people get really frustrated at that. Mm. And so I can see at the same time where maybe not everybody wants to make themselves available to that. There's some level that they don't know because especially right. with what happened with the production stoppage, you know, through, through COVID and what, where we're at today as to what's picked up. It's the idea that every, that no, none of us really actually realize all the moving pieces that have to be there design and the team putting together the set. That's one thing and, and getting it there, but then you got to have your print house who's going to turn around and do this. And sometimes you need multiple print house because a certain, the metallic, you know, the metal carts are going to be done somewhere else. Yeah. And then you actually, almost guaranteed because i know this was a problem again i'm going to reference back to things i know in magic there was delays in magic not because the cards couldn't be printed but because the packaging couldn't be printed 
And that's a totally different area there. You know, the box may be a different place than even the wrapper. It's a lot of moving pieces and getting things on the schedule. And if something delays, if something fires off and goes late, then you're not, you're, you know, you, you have to make decisions at that point in time. There's tremendous speculation out there because no one's seen in uh, Flare Ultra Avengers, the Simone Bianchi uh, autographed Venom, right? And there, nobody has confirmed that those came back late um, and didn't make packs. But we all kind of like, kind of put two and two together, kind of feel like that's right. the case. And that potentially that's still a problem today and they're trying to get them inserted into the EPAC run. And that's why EPAC hasn't happened fast enough. Potentially it's just about scanning that many cards and getting it available inside EPAC. So many moving mm. pieces that mm. it's really tough to know. I What I see in the way of the dates that are being offered out there for a new product as a, a retailer, when they make an announcement that a new product is available to order, they give you obviously an estimated date. A long time it's been sitting there and going quarter to 2023, you know, September of uh, 2023, things like this. Most of the new stuff has has had new dates and most of the dates here that were assigned to new product announced this year have been correct. The ones that keep sliding from the past, you know, the allure, the beginnings, the, the different things like that, uh, those still end up being flexible. And I just feel like that they just keep getting bumped because the new priority has to get completed to keep that train on time. And we're waiting for the other ones to kind of find a time to just kind of sneak in there and get done and, and get up to date. Look, and let's not forget the, the collectible climate and, you know, fanatics making all these waves with their acquisitions and anything pr pr proprietary and even slightly confidential is going to be even more heavily guarded because, you know, there, there's a, you know, there, there's a sense of some somebody else is out there looking to gobble up properties and IPs and contracts, and and you know we want to be that much more secure with how we handle in, information releases regarding our own how we do things because we want to continue to be a competitor in this market, and and so you know us the collectors you know like that's that's definitely a part of why we feel the sting of you know feeling like we're left out without any, you know enough information. Mm. Yeah. We're always going to like, we'll all keep trying though. Like I recently set up at the Toronto expo and uh, there were folks from upper deck there and even like, so we went to dinner, had a couple drinks. Still, I'm going to hit them with, I, I, my thing is I like to try to get print run numbers. Like this is what I'm hung up on. Like what's the print run for this? What's it? Nope. Even multiple drinks in, I don't know what kind of training they go through. Can't tell you. Won't tell you. It's, mili it's military. I mean, now it's never going to happen. Now it's never going to happen that you were going to happen. Well, they know what you're after now. You might have been one drink away last time. Uh, now they're going to be extra on their guard. I know, I know. But, you know, some of us are always out there trying. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Do it for the team. Um, I'm not saying truth serum is needed, but. Um, Jake. Jake McManus actually came up with 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 several questions that that kind of feed into that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do these one at a time because they feed into something else, which then feeds into someone else's question. So believe it or not, I'm structuring things. Um, would it be better for Upper Deck to do tons of affordable and still cool annual sets, 
which, by the way, he says, how good of a job did UD do on annual this year? Uh, amazing, I personally think. Quite a few people have said that, actually. Um, would it be better for UD to do tons of affordable and still cool annual sets and then have less premium sets or simply have a clear divide? I mean, I think the divide's kind there to there a degree. A divide. Yeah, already, I mean, it's I there. Think. It's visible. Um, I mean, you, uh, partly down to the price and whether it was is, original art or not original art or et cetera, et cetera. Is this question based upon the fact that the initial conversation, the initial price point of Spider-Man metal was not going to get to the price point that it did in the market. And, and it, it feels like that that's the case because we had talked about previously being that, you know, the entry level products of annual and things mm. like this. And then the tier up from that was, was the metal sets and and uh, flare and things like that, and then the tier up from that was your flare ultras, and then the mm, masterpieces mm, are, mm. and premieres are even above, and that the line got so destroyed because Spider Man hit that perfect, you know, storm of yeah. of consumer need and silly expenditures, which I definitely fed into that myself, um, and 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 turned around and and became where that that set was originally priced from manufacture from a, a wholesale to be in your stores at about a hundred dollars a box. I think there were some people that originally got in the first buys at about a hundred dollars box, hundred twenty maybe. Um, and for that to skyrocket to six hundred, four eighty on EPAC, I think that yeah, that, that was seems. Wild. I'm I'm trying to read the the in between line on what he's what he's asking inside the question, and it seems like that that feels reasonable as to kind of a finger point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's if if I read you the next parts of it, it kind of I think he's kind of a thought ladder, if you like. Okay. So the next part of it, would we like a deadline of a set every three months like Pokemon do? Then he goes on to ask, would we want to see twenty sets a year like some sports? kind of we're almost going to hit that this year actually aren't we <laughs> let's, your, let's face your, it your, your number and pace this year is 15 hmm. see keith bringing the knowledge i know yeah. isn't he, he like all i do all i do is numbers i love numbers i love doing it you, you mentioned print runs i love working that kind of stuff backwards i i think it's i think it's the most fascinating pieces of this whole thing is to to kind of know the details out there so it, Ian, um, you need to have Keith and JD on and just have a print oh, run man. extravaganza. Well, can we have Matt Parks on as well? Because Matt, when he does his spreadsheets, he does oh, okay. his, his spreadsheets are very solid. Yeah. Yeah. The so, day before Flare Ultra Blasters came out, Keith messaged me. He's like, it's 84,000. 84,000 boxes. I'm like, what? It's like Flare Ultra Blasters retail. He's like, it's 84,000 boxes. I figured it out. <laughs> it's got this image of you sitting there like that savant with all the numbers like floating <laughs> around in here like that, that I will tell you what sometimes sometimes it's very easy to determine so here's the Fleer Ultra Avengers blaster count was very easy to determine every blaster contains an orange serial numbered card every orange serial numbered card is serial numbered to 549 take however many that there were inside the base set the silver age all the inserts multiply that by 549 that's the exact count of how many blasters exist in the world because it's it's a known it's a and known up. serial number to a known ratio you have an to have upper those deck has two told things. me 
that they try to avoid that. Yeah, so much to the chagrin of upper deck. <laughs> so you Which can't is... do that kind of math. So I thought we were going to be able to work the retail boxes based upon the serial numbered inside a retail box. Because, you know, remember how in, in Spider-Man Metal, you get one serial numbered Or card. hobby, you mean. Yeah, hobby. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, Only one not drinking, by the way. Yeah, it doesn't mean I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. You bring up Matt Parks, and there's been plenty of times I've been like doing firing off the numbers. He's like, yeah, but you did this wrong. And I'm like, oh, you're totally right. So, um, but um, I thought that we were going to have in Fleer Ultra Avengers hobby boxes, one serial numbered. It's not close. I had I've opened mm-hmm. up cases where a box has and no serial number, and I have another one that has three serial numbered in there. Well, and yeah. they they turned around they they threw off the whole math because of the unannounced uh, ultra uh, not ultra ultra power not ultra stars but the ultra power uh, variant that's that's in there that throws off the math too. So no, they they definitely hide it. They they don't mm-hmm. want it. They don't want it to be known. Yeah, they're f***ing with you. Um, so, Jake's uh, kind of uh, circled this to land. I know I've just compared our beloved Marvel to other products, but I firmly believe we are our own entity. Thoughts on this? So this is kind of where this train's going. Own entity as opposed to sports? Or... I'm guessing so, yeah. As or other non-sports to... he mentioned, where they come out on a schedule, you know, and, and but, we kind of uh, march the beat of, that we march to the beat of our own drum. Yeah, yeah, not not a true comparison to one of the others. No, 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 no. I guess I guess not. But there was a, there was uh, there was an earlier question from Carl that's on a similar vein, so I kind of wanted to tie them together. Will Marvel trading cards remain relatively niche, or do you think it will become mainstream? Now, my thoughts on this is that it's. There's a massive drive to make Marvel cards more accessible and uh, open. You know, there's content creators who are all singing from that that hymn sheet, and it's it's great and it's laudable and it's wonderful. I don't know how. Um, I mean, the blasters are a great thing from that point of view, but you think about the fact that blasters are kind of around now, and if you're talking about younger generation, it's going to be a while till they grow up. They're always going to have that whole story where they go off and discover girls and do college, and then they'll come back to it. You know, so you know how how I never I never discovered girls. No, they're everywhere. Much to our chagrin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're everywhere. Throw a rock, and you'll hit one. Don't do that. Um, but I went dark. Um, <laughs> my train of thought was going to be. Um, I think. I, I kind of I don't I don't when you say become mainstream. It's like they're not hiding. They're there. Right. And I and and I think I know what he means. And I've experienced some frustration over this. Uh because my thinking was always Marvel properties, you know, the 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 IP comics movies so popular, right? Yep. Why doesn't that translate? But it's becoming, and and this you know, working theory, whatever opinion, belief that uh, collecting is a personality trait. Like there's there's some people as much as they love the the fiction, the characters, looking at the art, seeing something on TV, they they might have seen you know Avengers twenty times in the theaters. The idea of of collecting things and 
mm-hmm. and owning them and looking at them and putting them on a shelf or whatever it is that we do with them um, has zero appeal to them. And, and and to us collectors, you know, like it, mm. it's 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 intuitively a, a foreign concept that, you know, like, why? This is cool. Why wouldn't you want to have it? It's, some people aren't aren't sentimental. They're not sentimental about the property. And I don't know why it's not switching to me. I'm just looking at you. Um, they're not sentimental about the property. They're not sentimental about, uh, you know, f- owning physical items that maybe they're minimalists. M- maybe they, they they spend their money elsewhere. They have different values. Um but I think that that those are the people that would, uh, you know, that would make that would be required to make it mainstream, mm. and we're just not going to get them because they're fundamentally built different than we are. See, I think like I see it happening though, like just just in my anecdotal experience setting up. So I set up at recently at the end of March at the collectible show Mint in Las Vegas, which is predominantly sports. And then I followed that up with setting up at the Toronto, at the Sports Expo in Toronto. And um, at the Mint, I was pretty much the only non-sport table there, but I was really well received. And same at Toronto. Toronto was mainly hockey, but there was a lot of other sports, a little bit of non-sport. Um, but they people would come up to the table and they were just, they just had no idea. They were just like, oh my gosh, there's cards for this? Like, so, I mean, we see it all the time Interesting. and, and we're really used to it, but there were a lot of people there, like even kids even who were like, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't even know these were a thing. So, um, and I do see more, like Keith mentioned, um, I'm starting to do more hockey. Um, so I am, I do have, I think a little more crossover and I am seeing a lot of the sports guys and not like sports guys in like the negative that yeah, frequently yeah. gets used in the groups. There are a lot of people who got priced out of sports, discovered Marvel, and now actually really love it, mm. you know, and, and who are here for it and who, you know, you see it on Instagram more now where people who were like their Instagram was entirely sports. Now they're mixed and not all of those people are flipping. Like, I think a lot of people see those folks and assume like, oh, you know, he's just PMG hunting or, you know, whatever. But I really do think there's more positive crossover that's happening which i think will take marvel more mainstream if i was in college and i had to write a uh thesis you know to 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 graduate and all this this would hit so close to what i've what i've focused so much time on thinking because again as a business owner who's inside this too turns around and has to decide and make sure that we're not following down the path of the beanie baby kind of idea with what I do business-wise, this hits on so many different things. Um, I'm going to kind of like try to whirlwind through because you guys had some really amazing points that have been inside my head and inside my experience out there for for a, a long time. The One of the biggest deals is, is why would people come to this? Um, why do you think there's going to be a new person buying uh, Marvel cards and the why is why do they want to be part of it why are they here to invest are they here to turn around and build a collection are they here to extend upon their love of you know comics or their love of uh, Marvel you know Marvel movies you know where did it and they're going to have that so Billy hits on the whole point that there there's 
part of it's a breed of person. You know, a collector is a different type of a person than, you know, we're, we're just healthy hoarders, right? You know, it's, it's that idea that, you know, we, we, we are focused and we have that we may enjoy what we're doing and know that it has some kind of value behind it, but at the core basis of, of collection and all this, you're not really concerned that much about the value except for making sure that what you buy is, is fair. So, you know, you want to buy something for your collection and all this. I don't want to, I don't want to overpay for it, but I, you know, I, I, when I spend $200 on a card, it's going in a black hole. It's not worth $200 anymore because I'm not putting it up for sale. So it's, it's not the same as, as, as value there. Then you get into who's going to shepherd those people in. Where are these people going to get uh, this information? And efforts like Amanda's to hit these shows and to just showcase it out there. Efforts like Eugene's when he was at the National with a with a just hey look at what this is look at how cool this type of thing is and you know there's there's conversations that are definitely going to have to be different based upon who comes up to the to there you know like the idea of a sports collector wanting to put some money into this and and have some value out of what they get to it it's it's easy because they're looking at stuff that's so dirt cheap compared to what they're dealing with mm. of one of one rookie card from this football phenom kind of you know, like to them. It's like, you guys, you guys are in the kitty leagues here. You guys don't mm. even play with real money kind of idea. So who's going to introduce them and bring them over? You know, some, if they're, if they're going to be shepherded in by efforts like upper deck with blasters with efforts like Amanda, you know, at, at shows as opposed to, there were some bad influences over some some of the different uh, uh, YouTube type content over there. There were a couple people that were known in sports as not reputable type thing, but they were kind of creeping into our territory, right? You know, and coming in and having these conversations. Um, they will bring people who are very much looking at quick flip money. You know, can I turn around and turn ten thousand dollars into twenty thousand dollars? Because that sounds amazing. Um, as opposed to anything that has longevity, because quick flip money always will settle out. Even if we overall raise the value of all of our Marvel cards, if they're all worth more tomorrow than they are today, it still stops the quick flip opportunities. I just got back a whole stack of uh, vibranium cards that I had sent into to grading, and I definitely have missed the strike while the iron's hot uh, time on those where they would have been just selling for way, way more. Um, it's, it's, who's going to shepherd them in? Why are they here to turn around and do this? And I'm going to wrap it to one thing that's inside comics. That's, that's seen very, very strongly by us, um, who deal in comics, the newer generation that's willing to invest and buy into comics. And I'm, I'm going to point at Billy down here, not because it's him, but because all those graded comics behind him, they love to buy a graded comic of a first appearance of a character and watch it go up in value. They can watch it consistently increase in value. Um, it's the stock market that they understand. The stock market that uh, somebody who's under 30 right now, you say the word stock market, their first, their first mindset is, is trauma because it's, it's listening to the crashes. It's listening to the, the negativity and all this, but a physical item that they could feel trusted that they bought the first appearance of Spider-Man. You know, they bought the first appearance of Venom. They have that in their hand. They watch its value go up and they have the power themselves by online for places like eBay and Facebook to 
to move that money when they want to. It gives them a level of control over an investment portfolio that they don't get inside of a stock market. And it becomes where this new generation will put so much more money into a collectible that they have some little sentimental attachment to, but they will be out there not on a golf course because that's not where they hang out, you know, wherever the cool kids are hanging out today. I don't know. I'm not invited, but they'll be out there talking about, Hey, you know, I bought, I bought you know, amazing Spider-Man 300 in, you know, 9.8 condition. You know, I'm just watching that thing. Woo, it's going right on up and all this. That's the same conversation that the old fuddy duddies are having on the golf course about how they invested in Xerox and Xerox is really staking, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're talking about their stock portfolio, but the new generation is going to be into this type of mechanic of a portfolio. Mm. And those people aren't bad to us. Those people aren't bad to be involved with us that they want to turn around and buy out, you know, 94, you know, sets and, and be part of our, our community and, and things like this and watch as it goes up. Because if there was just more people into it, the demand would just inherently make the value of the cards go up you know so this isn't this isn't a bad thing to fight against well uh, billy was touching his mic there i thought he was about to say something i thought he was just uh, caressing <laughs> no, it in a, in I a loving the way dog was about to go nuts and didn't want to <laughs> oh okay <laughs> um, subject the audience you, you you've mentioned this dog a couple of times and we've i've yet to hear it so unless it's some sort of phantom menace um <laughs> what type of dog is it i think it is i think he might be a menace actually <laughs> really oh he's gone to get the dog uh, i can i can certify that there is a dog okay this is good there's two uh, there's two there's dogs two, two dogs okay there, there, yeah there are two dogs uh remy and wade oh yes yes okay <laughs> i remember now i remember now very good very good corgi um, beagle and a, and a labrador shepherd retriever mix. all right i'm disappointed i thought you were going to come back to the camera with said animals no oh, no. No, no, no no um right Those i'm going to do agents some, of chaos i'm going to do some that are i think are relatively quick fire so should we do some quick fire shizzle um Can, I, are we able to i think we're all pretty well you, you know what you know what um i mean we we've we've done some, we've done some <laughs> we've done some pretty deep stuff here um and there's some really good stuff that we haven't done but i'm just um I'm just mindful of um, time and also the fact that there could be a good part two. Um, right. There I'm he going is. To... Okay. Ah, yes. There he is. Um, he says, reading reading this, what company has made the best cards and why? Amanda, go. Ooh, Rittenhouse. Because I love a matte finished card and they gave them to me all the time. Billy, which dog is that? That's Remy. Hello, Remy. Can you hear me? Remy's not no. a problem, though. No. Yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> uh, Billy, what company's made the best cards and why? Go. Oh, Skybox. Uh, as in the original 90s one, not the current as in, as brand. As in the original 90s ones. Yeah. yeah. You know, they, they lit the torch. Everybody else just carried it. Keith? Upper Deck, Breath of Work. Nice. Okay. Nice range of answers there. Uh, what is the best 90s and why? 1990s. Oh, that's not the question. <laughs> What's the best 90s set, he's saying? 
Well, that the, the the literally, it's what is the best nineties and why. So I'm assuming, yes, they're they're talking about nineties set. Sticking with Marvel, I'm assuming. Well, give um, us give us one of give us one of each. Give us give us a Marvel and a, and, a, and another set that happens to be whatever. Mm. Shall I do mine yeah. while you're thinking about it? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go controversial here, because um, everyone thinks it's probably gonna be a Marvel masterpieces set. But m- much as I love those. It's not necessarily about what's personal preference. It's about what's the best one. I, For my money, Amazing Spider-Man 1994, the Mark Bagley one. I mean, ha- when else have you had the artist that's, that's currently that's drawing it, set. do the whole set, and it's just so much fun. Um, and, yeah, it, uh, I love it. It's just such a fun set, and it's so accessible, so affordable to collect. Um, it's got a couple of cheeky, difficult bits, like the golden you know, web um uh, uh parallels but apart from that it's it's a really nice satisfying set to have that's my vote i'll think of something else tomorrow but that's my vote yeah you're, you're i think looking... that it, it does it does change a lot so for me marvel i'm gonna go 94 for ultra x-men because i think that's my that's my favorite i think 90s i love that set i think that's the one i have the most nostalgia tied up in uh um non-marvel i was gonna say it's interesting he's he's, he said what is the best not because if i was going to say my favorite i'd say marvel universe oh best yeah Mm. should we come back to you subjective i know it is that's the thing it is subjective (laughs) which is why i deliberately tried to think of something that was ultimately become my favorite yeah Mm. (laughs) keith's got got kind of I I was on I was on ninety four Fleer Ultra X Men. Uh, oh, okay. There's, there's definitely um obviously you know the everybody's mind gravitates towards ninety six masterpiece for for what it was, but I didn't get my master I didn't get my ninety six masterpiece until twenty years after that. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, um, you and I, I love the set. I appreciate it. I'm deeply into it, but um, I'm gonna have to think about kid nostalgia, and that was ninety four X Men almost i almost said 95 x-men because i will always remember that professor x uh boris vallejo card oh. that just absolutely just burned yeah. a hole in my mind and it was just like you know it's like this is this is taking it to 11 for me it's the binder it's that binder image of wolverine mm-hmm. cutting through that dave devries is amazing we're looking at you billy <laughs> uh not popular <laughs> But 92 X-Men Series 2, uh, gold foil really? parallels, uh, you know, uh, uh, colored holograms. Uh, the, the Wolverine hologram w- w- was a, you know, super short print. Um, first TV set. It, it, it checks a lot of boxes. Nice. Mm. I don't know that would be unpopular. I think that's a that's a solid, solid choice. Okay. Good, but, good, but, good. But, I, but I do agree. My, my, one of my favorites is also 92 Marvel Universe Series Three, um, the, the the layout, the power levels. Yeah, yeah. Marvel Universe ninety two is is just chef's kisses. No black cat in that though. I'd love a black cat. I tell you, this is one of my um, uh, one of the things I've never done because I always forget this. I kind of remember this idea once every six months and think, oh, why haven't I thought of that before? And then I think, oh, I have actually thought of that before. Um, <laughs> I want to get um, a commission done of someone to draw. A black cat, as if it was from Marvel Universe, nineteen ninety-two, oh, cool. with the cool background, idea. the bordering, and everything like that. Um, 
but I never uh, literally that I'll, I'll forget it. I've actually I've actually committed it to this recording, so hopefully I'll I'll, I'll remember it now. You know who's um, going to do that? <clears throat> What's that, sir? You know who would kill that? Are you happy with your current cable TV provider? Oh, Tony! Oh, yeah, yeah, Tony absolutely would. Tony, this Tony would, be, would nail it. If you wanted to go completely true to the era, wouldn't you go find Bat? Isn't Bat who did the Felicia Hardy uh, miniseries? It's not not anybody we know from Marvel cards. This is this would be comic no, he's, related. Yes. Yeah, he's more like yes. did more image stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because like, hmm. I was thinking like Ron Lim, you know, era. You know, yeah. like it's it's the era there and all this. It's but again, era, but yeah. I think I think I think I think this will come down to a lot of personal opinion of yours. Well, yes, and also who's available and who's actually willing to do a, sure. a, a commission as well. Because um, I mean, if I have my absolute go to I'd, I'd have mark bagley do it sure on you know a two and a half by three and a half but he won't probably i don't think he does work in that in that size maybe he does i don't know maybe no one's asked him um never uh these these are all from uh, uh peter by the way tc wallets and more he goes by on facebook but i can't remember what his real name is peter something i was so gonna bring him up because he's podcast. local we were we were yeah. talking about junk mm. cards he's my mm. outlet for junk cards mm. yeah marrow and maggot right yeah, anything that I turn around, well, no, like if I find cards that are damaged and I'm not going to sell them, and all this because of what he can do with with TC wallets, yeah, I'm now I'm now building him stacks that that go in that direction. So, oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I have a stack of those, but mine are for Charles Hall. That's fair. We all have a we yeah. all have a damaged card stack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it used he's... to be the trash can for Amanda. <laughs> he he's asked never collected a Rittenhouse set. What are some of the funnest sets from this era? All of them. The Rittenhouse era, he means. Mm. I'm, I mean, mm. he oh, he wow. would he would enjoy X Men. X Men archives. Archives. Yeah. Archives. He would oh. enjoy X Men. That's yeah. Spider Man archives. The Spider Man archives. Spider Man archives is 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 stunning. I I've I've got a soft spot for women in Marvel for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. um, Dangerous divas. Dangerous Divas, but I, I'm going to go to the other end of their spectrum from where they, they were kind of in charge. Um, in fact, there's two. Marvel 75th. Okay. Because I just think the falling on it is lovely. Um, and Legends of Marvel, they're kind of part works. You know, the one where they mm. brought out nine cards, three characters every quarter for like four years or something like that i was so lucky my distributor hooked me up with the same serial number all the way through the series i had the same i had the yeah. same i mean i saw i sold it about two years ago um but um but yeah no ed webb hooked me up with the same serial number on that one yeah. um yeah. and it was just but they're beautiful cards beautiful cards um really good um for those who character collect why did you select them and did any of these find you, Billy? I don't. I feel, I feel like this is a you know, I've been asked this so many times because it won't apply to Keith. I'm sure I've asked you, but I can't remember. No, no, because it's but, now but half I mean, past it, ten at it, night it, in the it, UK. It feels I've almost like a, you know, like just like a story that's been. I don't know. It, it, um, so, just give us the York Notes version. No, 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 no. Uh, I, I I feel bad for anybody who's heard it before. Um, it, it came through comics. Uh, I, I, 
I was uh, was it it was in when comics were picking it back up around when uh, Captain America died, um, and uh, I would go to different stores and and they would have these big sales and I would just go through you know long boxes and and I came across the Evolutionary War, hmm. which was a you know a twelve fourteen part story where it was all about the High Evolutionary, and and I know they had done that other times, um, but this was. I'm pretty sure it was the first time that it spread across annuals, right, Keith? Um, of di- of, di- of different titles was Atlantis Attacks before that. Atlantis oh, was a year after Atlantis Attacks. Okay, yeah. Atlantis Attacks was a year after. Um, so this is the first time that it spread across different titles where you know the the conflict involved the Punisher, Silver Surfer, X Men, X Factor, New Mutants, uh, Spider Man, Avengers, West Coast Avengers, and I was just stuck in by the idea that you know he was so much to handle and uh i related to that <laughs> I re- sorry I re- I re- no, no. You know, no the, the, there's there, it, it sounds narcissistic but uh it probably is but the, you know the, there was a lot of relatability for me and, and and how you know he made himself everything he was and and you know he didn't start off as much and he just wanted to be better and 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 uh he, he, you know, cared for everything that he, everybody around him that he tried to make better, even though it didn't always seem that way. Um, so it's a tragic, uh, a tragic anecdote for my, uh, for my coming of age. Well, you definitely hit Amanda's chuckle button there. That, that, that's worth the price of admission alone. She's gone. She's gone. I don't think we're going to get anything from her now. Um, Amanda, bullseye. How do I follow that? I think the idea is that you don't. I think you just carry on regardless. Go on, Spirit of the Blitz. Yeah, keep going. I just like Bullseye. Um, I like I I prefer villains. I've always preferred villains, and Bullseye is one of the few Marvel characters who I think has always remained a villain. He's never even when he was faking as Hawkeye, he was still killing people. Um, the people he kills, for the most part, stay dead. Not counting what's her face. Electric um, Trash Ninja. Yeah, yeah, Trash Ninja. Trash um, Ninja. Did you like so, him before he was Hawkeye? Or because he was Hawkeye. I think that's what we're getting at here. It's I, kind I, of layers I, of the I, onion here. I was just trying to get the timeline. That's all. Anyhow. <laughs> uh, so I really appreciate the consistency of his character and that they actually let him murder people. Good. Keith, I'm, I'm, there's no point in me looking at you because you, you don't character collect. But he does have a favorite. But if you were going to character collect, I have a favorite, and Cable's my favorite character. Ah, nice. Uh, and it he's he's my favorite because of all the wrong reasons. That he has the most convoluted, uh, weird story that you can't possibly hope to know unless you just go that uber nerd on him kind of idea to know all the details uh what impressed me was is that there was there was nuggets left out years before in the story that they started tying up and it was something i was very impressed with claremont and all the things x-men and cable became the the lightning rod for Mm. for that idea Mm. Mm. we're back to the tony perna question about your cable provider but we won't go there with that joke um I know. Do we know why you picked black cat oh i've talked about it oh yes actually i think Um, we do know there's a tingle involved uh, hey, who say that again? Sorry. <laughs> no, go a ahead. Tingle. A tingle. Yeah. Oh yeah. I oh yeah. I mean, I won't. I, I won't lie. It, it tingles me. Um, no. Um, uh, in the UK, they were reprinting 
Amazing Spider-Man as they do in various uh, and had done since the early 70s and this went through to the early 90s and they, they still reprint it now but it's in a different format but in the UK it used to be in a weekly format um, and outside of that they then started doing some um, fortnightly or monthly titles that were full colour so the, the weekly ones were always kind of the cheapest copy you know newsprint they started doing some some higher quality ones um uh, spider-man and zoids was the one so um zoids is obviously being the toy line uh the comics for that were absolutely brilliant um i think it was some of i want to say grant morrison early work on zoids strangely enough um but um spider-man and zoids and so they were reprinting stuff from amazing spider-man around that time uh, like the issues with hobgoblin and puma you know kind of around the 240s 250s 260s um and black cat was very popular at the time always in spectacular spider-man and crossing over and um and there she was i was like i was i was absolutely smitten as a very impressionable 12 13 year old you know formative years so what can what can what can you do um but weirdly i didn't i didn't i wasn't you know i didn't start collecting her until i was uh, in my 30s so yeah there was a good 20 plus year gap um someone else asked me this question and amanda you're kind of sport for choice on this because bullseye's being portrayed on the screen a number of times but justin treese asked me who my ideal actress to play black cat in the mcu would be um and I'm I'm struggling to think of anyone who's uber current, but if I go back, maybe I mean she's still active and and does stuff, but I don't know if I don't know what what she's up to at the moment. But um, Alice Eve, who was in Star Trek Into Darkness, mm. blonde actress, mm-hmm. um, she would be kind of my number one choice at the moment, I think. But yeah. Uh, Billy, you've just had the the joy of your character appearing in the <laughs> MCU. Well, I haven't seen it yet, so no spoilers. No, no, me. no spoilers. Um, but, you know, and, but and, and, was and... it a fulfilling experience for you? <laughs> the portrayal or the, or the, or the film? Because <laughs> James Gunner has already come out and said that it, that it's you know it's not derivative. Of, you know, it's different different identity. Okay, very loosely based off of them. Um, and uh, and obviously, you know, some of his attitudes and the, and the way he was portrayed is not consistent with what I know him to be. Um, so uh, it, it was enjoyable. You know, it was a great movie. Uh, two spots. You're definitely going to cry. Um, I mean, like ugly cry. Like. <laughs> um, but no, it, and it, it's unfortunate it's it's all I'm gonna get and uh and and the 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 you know not to give you a, a an alley oop here but the taste that's left in people's mouths from him uh is not a savory one and, okay. and it's almost gonna make me a little public enemy for for supporting him okay fair enough fair enough um Amanda Colin Farrell discussed I think he's a he's a fine actor, maybe just not for Bullseye. I love that movie. I absolutely love that movie. So I go long enough in between watching that that Mm. I I convince myself, like, you know what? Let me try to watch that again. It's so bad, Ian. It's so bad. (laughs) 
it's I don't like my bullseye. That bullseye trips too close to the Joker for me. Sometimes they write him in a way that I think is too mm. like he's a hired assassin. Like mm. he's not supposed to be like super chaotic. So that was a little too too far in that direction for me. I don't know that I have anybody. I like I liked the Netflix series. I liked still that, haven't that seen actor. season three. Still haven't seen Even. it. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, the fight scenes in that. I I I know I know I know. <laughs> I wish I had known. I would have refused to come on until you watched it. Very like what's the like, what's the hold up? What's the hold up? Well, it's time to watch it when. Well, I don't get any time to watch stuff without the wife around because our window of opportunity to watch stuff is 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 minimal. I can't watch it with the kid around. Um, I'm right. not going to watch it on this because you know. Yeah. So right, I need fine. I need to, I need to convince her that we need to watch it. We'll do it because it's really good. And she's, she's, I mean, the thing is, she's behind on the MCU stuff to the point I don't think she's even seen Civil War. So she's probably, however old, watch any of that for Daredevil. Well, no, no, to be honest with you, no, I think she's, she's not watched. Well, listen, she's however many years our kids, (laughs) our kid is, (laughs) and I can understand she's been busy with other stuff. So, you know, um, uh, but no, she's well behind on Marvel stuff. But yeah, Daredevil season three, I'll, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. Thanos Cable? Yeah, Thanos Cable. What'd you think? Um, I think I have the exact same problem that you have with your character on the big screen, which is, is that our idea and our love from him comes from all the depth we know and all the, the story, and you just can't betray that. You just you knew it was never gonna get there. You knew you were never gonna get you know, like that's my guy. That's my version kind of thing up there. So mm. uh, I don't think Brolin did a bad job at all. I think it's fine, but I think it f- focuses on an, uh, a very small area of what cable is. And so it's always going to be, you know, not enough cable for me. Need to get a new cable provider, don't you? Right. Uh, <laughs> Tony's going to be loving to answer loving. Tony's question. That was fact. really good, Ian. Yeah, well, Tony's going to be loving the fact. Um, yeah, his question actually, you know, he's he's he's, he's 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 doing well. Um, who is the next Marvel masterpieces artist? Come on, someone knows. Spill the beans. Aha. Uh-huh. We're we're sworn to secrecy. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We could tell you, but we'd have to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can't do that. Um, you know what? I think I think I think we're kind of done for now. Yeah, I think that's um, a good place to end. I think it is a good place to end it because there's loads more we like really deep. In fact, there's some really good ones actually, some really uh, good ones here. Um, but we'll save that for next time. Um, can I just read you a nice review that I had on Apple? Please do. Um, this is from Ming Sean Chiang in Taiwan. Um, and his review is titled Fun and Informative Podcast Worth Listening to. Five stars. A fun and energetic podcast for Marvel fans. Get in there, my son. Thank you very much. So I've noticed that the Taiwan numbers on the um, uh, stats thing that I get emails mm-hmm. from every day, I noticed there's suddenly Taiwan had appeared. And I was, we were, um, for a long time, we've been like in the, 50s and 60s and the most listened to hobby podcast in taiwan oh no kidding and it's this guy 
<laughs> All it takes is one guy to move the needle in Taiwan. So, uh, there's also someone listening loads in Argentina at the moment, and I have a feeling that could be Ariel Olivetti, but I might be wrong. Um, but anyway, thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you, Ian. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to put put it in the tasting notes anyway, but where can everyone find you? on the? On, I like to give people the opportunity to pimp themselves should they wish to. Um, I'll start with Amanda because... Um, quite frankly, cards you should know about. That's the I can be phrase, found on Instagram at Graded Gamer or The Graded Gamer Hockey, if anyone in there is so inclined. I have a website, thegradedgamer.com. And I am also on Twitter as Graded Gamer. I'm pretty easy to find. You're still doing the Graded Gamer inventory feed as well. It's hard because... I've been using that for cards that don't sell right away. Like most of my cards, I have like client lists and I just say, Hey, I got this. Do you want it? Mm. And it's gone. So it it's not a lot makes it over there, but I, I do still have it. You can find that one as well, folks. Thank you, Ian. Uh, Keith, where's your, where's your store? Remind people where your store is. Yeah. I want more comics and games in Thornton, Colorado, which is just a suburb of Denver. We're stone throw from there. Uh, but uh, having a blast there all the time. You can find us on the web, uh, on all the social medias, all under the same name. I want more comics and games. Billy, when you got more Marvel on the brain coming out? When people want to play, man, it's it, it's it's rough. We're 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 in another hiatus. Uh, I think uh, I think the competition was a little too stiff. We're gonna we're gonna retool the format. Try to go a little shorter. Uh, um cater to the you know to, to today's attention span <laughs> and uh and see where it goes we have a lot of fun it's a lot of work you know but but it's it's it's, it's a labor of love for sure I, you know you know with this and doing the, the facebook group that you know you, you do it because you love it and and if you didn't love it you wouldn't do it but you know that, that's yeah. that's the beginning of the end yeah of it. yeah yeah um but Watch underscore me underscore open on Instagram. Watch me open dot com uh, on whatnot. You know, usually every Friday, breaking a box of some Marvel cards. And you're all on whatnot, aren't you? You all do whatnot stuff. We are all on whatnot under the same kind of handles. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Although right. Billy's Billy's is really focused. He does a lot of amazing breaking. I end up on mine just rambling about cards. So we use it in very different ways, but we are definitely all there. But Amanda's is is a lot more engaging. It's a it's a real like lunchtime social thing. People go on there, they chat, they have a good time, and they get to see all the cool cards in the background, and and then they get to see her uncut sheets that she'll never sell. <laughs> There's a question about whatnot because I'm I'm complete. I, I literally never never gone there. Um, can you go back and watch stuff, or is it just live and it's gone? Yeah, no, you, you can. can. Apparently, you can. right now you only can do it on an iPhone. Because I've had people try on Android phones and on the web, and it didn't work for them. Okay. Well, that's good because iPhone. Okay. Well, I'll have to have a look into it because I'm. I have a. I'm not sure how international it is, but m- most of the stuff that you guys do is on at a time when I can't watch because I'm asleep. So I didn't know you could watch it back. So I've learned something here today, people, and I feel a more fulfilled and frankly vibrant individual for for having done so. So thank you. Um, Again, Ian's uh, demeanor brought to you by Jim Beam Honey. (laughs) 
I resemble that remark. Um, who wants to sign us off this week? Do you want to do it together, or do you want to um, um, someone want to take a stab? Who's going to be nominated? Keith. 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 Why? Why me? What? Because you're drinking water. <laughs> oh, because I, I always forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're not supposed to tell everybody. I just wrote it down so I don't forget, Melvis. But we want to encourage well, everyone out, everyone out here. there, to enjoy collecting. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right, I'm going to go. Thanks for listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Tasting notes and visuals for each episode can be found on our Facebook page. We're on most social media at The MCC Pod, and you can also watch the video of each episode recording on our YouTube channel. Leave us a voicemail via our home on anchor.fm forward slash MCCP. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. Please take a second to subscribe, like, and review our show wherever you find us. Our Facebook community is at MCCW Marvel Car Collectors Worldwide and MMC Marvel Masterpieces Collectors. The great music we use on our audio version is called Rocket Power by Kevin McLeod. Thanks to the collectors, artists and creators who support the Marvel Cards Fan Collective. We'll see you next time and remember, it's a small hobby but a fun one. Make mine Marvel and enjoy collecting.